Hello treasure seekers and welcome to Shandy Andy's Unguarded Treasure. This is Season 1, Episode 17. So let's kick off this episode with dealing with some of the call-ins that I've received since my last episode. First up is Edwin King, uh, who I don't believe has a podcast, but if you have, please let me know, Edwin. Hey Andy, uh, it's Edwin here. Um, I hope you don't mind a message relating uh, to an episode back in September, but I was listening to your what if discussion uh, about what would have happened if Guy Gax and Arneson uh, hadn't got together and uh, done their bit to create set of RPGs. It occurs to me that one question might be what would have happened if RPGs didn't come out of um, the 60s and 70s college scene in the States, which was going through a big uh, high fantasy interest. If instead of coming out of that fantasy boom, they came a decade earlier or a decade later, what would they look like? Would they be have started as predominantly science fiction or as Dave touched on would they be detective literature would it would we be all playing games about hard-boiled cops um I mean of course those are all covered now but predominantly one thinks of RPGs as fancy and at the beginning they predominantly were um it's an interesting question I can't think what other genres there may be perhaps historical literature um Anyway, thank you, thank you for the podcast. Um, I'm finding it interesting. Uh, keep up the good work. Hi, Edwin. Yeah, no problem at all with receiving call-ins from old episodes. It's always interesting to think back to an old episode I've done and revisit it. And yeah, you've got a valid point. Who knows what might have happened if role-playing games had come earlier or later. Although, I've got to be honest, I'm I'm still a bit puzzled in many ways why I ended up with high fantasy, because certainly over here in the UK, I seem to remember, you know, in the early 80s, it, it was a three-way thing between D&D, RuneQuest and Traveller. And there were still big role-playing games in their own right. And I don't think, unless I was slightly isolated and didn't get the full picture there, you know, it was a three-way fight, if you like, between those. I don't think things have been decided here. But I suspect it was probably driven over in America. Um, and that's where we ended up with D&D and the sort of high fantasy uh, setting that we're, you know, more familiar with. But as you say, things have evened out a little bit. Um, but yeah, uh, I certainly am always puzzled why sci-fi didn't take off a lot more. It always seemed odd to me because they were fairly evenly represented I think in in literature certainly over here in the UK who knows and certainly the detective side of it might well have come if things had been earlier I mean I'd love to think that maybe somewhere back in the 1930s somebody actually did come up with a role-playing game I don't know I can just imagine some people sat around you know in the 
30s in between the wars and maybe one evening somebody did come up with a role-playing game which a small group did play but it just never took off never expanded and maybe they did play a detective type role-playing game based on Agatha Christie stories or something like that wouldn't that be fantastic if that happened we'll probably never know but thanks for your call Edwin and the next couple of call-ins I've got are to do with my episode Is Mapping Really Old School? So let's start with Dave Aldridge from the Deep Centaur podcast. Hey Andy, really enjoyed your old school and mapping episode. Yeah, I don't really associate... I suppose I did when I was when I was planning fighting fantasy adventures. I used to draw maps but only really to show myself the relationship between rooms that I was going to put players in it's really the fun of graph paper and uh, mapping is something I've discovered very very late on it's come along with OSR for me it's not something I associate with uh, gaming when I was younger little secret don't tell my players but um you know when I'm running black hack I'm doing a dungeon I've got all that plotted out on graph paper but when I am describing areas to my players I do talk about dimensions of rooms measurements lengths of corridors but I am absolutely just eyeballing it I never bother to carefully count my squares so when I give my room dimensions I give indicators I use roughly um, but um, but often when I'm describing I've sort of got a deliberate margin for error or if I'm if I'm describing a room that's got a clear central focus, then sometimes I'll forget to mention um, exits that maybe become clearer later on because I try and give that impression that actually the players might be responding to the orcs in the room. They haven't really had time to, to scan it carefully, get a good idea of its dimensions and make sure they've checked off all the exits. So maybe I'm giving something away there. <laughs> I leave messages when they come to me. So I've just finished listening to that message, gone back to the episode, and then you mentioned the Black Hat game, which is exactly what I was talking about. I, I had an inkling a couple of you might be mapping it. Yeah, so you show me yours, I'll show you mine. That would be really good fun. But I was sort of deliberately... Yeah, the players were under pressure. They only had three hours. They didn't really have time to scan carefully. So, you know, and they were caverns. So I didn't give much of an indication of shape, um, and I kind of think if the players had, the characters had slowed down in a particular room, uh, and if you told me you were you were going to pay real attention to the dimensions, then I would have I would have had to revise some of my measurements. So I'd be really keen to see what you come up with. That's really cool. My map, of course, you can find on deepercentile.blogspot. No, it's WordPress. Deepercentile.wordpress.com. It's the first post because we were playing my Phantoms of the Coral Cave adventure. The only deviation where there's a distance marker where I've shortened that corridor at the start in the session on the fly, I added um, a drop um, which isn't in the scenario. Otherwise, that is the scenario that you played pretty faithfully, and that's the map I was using. So you can you can check it out. I'm just about to go to your blog now. I'm in the shop, but when I get out, I'm going to go to your blog and uh, compare them. That's really fun, Andy. Cheers. Dave, your secret's safe with me. I'm sure none of the other players have been listening to this. Um, so it was interesting that what you were saying there about giving approximations, and I, I think you're exactly right. That's exactly what I do. I don't give a detailed description. You know, it's 30, uh, you know, two feet or anything. It's roughly 30 feet. 
and that's it. And you're absolutely right about we, we were on a in your game. We were on a massive um, uh, trying to get there in a certain time. You know, the, the the timer was constantly ticking down, and you got that feeling over to us. So yeah, I, I don't think we we would have uh, really been taking everything into account when we first got into a uh, a room or or what have you. You're absolutely right on that. I mean, I didn't necessarily think that my character was actually mapping it, if you like. I was only mapping it really to give myself more of an idea, because I think if you were there in real life, it would be more apparent to you, perhaps, you know, what things were. And I always find it a little more difficult to for it to stick in my mind, you know, if we're actually playing it out on descriptions of that, and that's no disrespect to yours or any GM's descriptions, you know, I just think that's the way of life. So I just find it easier to to sort of scribble down maps as we're going along because I, I just think it sort of helps me visualise where where things are going and everything. So yeah, and uh, it was great. Uh, you posted your map up, uh, and I've posted mine now into the uh, Discord channel, and they're, they're not far off. I mean, obviously. Yours w w was a cavern map of natural caverns, whereas mine was more a, a dungeon map. But that was purely just due to trying to keep it to set uh, dimensions, really. Uh, it's the type of thing with a cavern map. I don't think there's... A I I've never come across a way of being able to, to um, audibly describe how a cavern is accurately. I just don't think... It, it, it's possible. So we, you know, when mapping, it always tends to be very square orientated. Um, but yeah, it, it was fun. It was fun, you know, looking at those two maps and thinking, yeah, we, we were pretty much on the same, uh, the same page as it were. There, they were quite close to one another. Anyway, as always, Dave, thanks for your calling. And the next caller is Jason from Nerds RPG Variety Cast. Hey, Shane, Andy, Jason here, Nerds RPG Variety Class. Yeah, Variety Cast. I'm always happy to see when, you, when you're when you playing a game with me because I really enjoy the spirit you bring as a player, and, and it's always very fun, so thank you for that. The map you put up was great, and it's about what I envisioned, to be honest. I, I mean, Dave put up his cave map, and yeah, it's caves, and that makes sense. But yours about mapped what I was thinking how we went, so excellent job and actually proving you're definitely maybe a little more old school than the rest of us, right? I didn't map. I was lazy. Maybe next time I will, though, just to see, just to give it a shot. I haven't drawn a map for years and years and years. So, anyhow, again, it was great playing with you. Really enjoyed the episode, and we'll talk to you later. Thanks for the kind words, Jason. But I think a lot of it's got to do with players that I play with as well. I, I think we've got a good bunch of players on the, the uh, Audio Dungeon Discord at the moment playing in games and some good GMs. Uh, I think it's all gelling really well. I mean, I, I always like games with a little banter where we don't take ourselves too seriously, but but then don't, you know, take the mickey, you know, the GM or anything like that. You know, there's got to be a balance. Sometimes you, you've got to take things a little bit seriously and I think we've got a good balance between all of us we're all bringing something different to the table which I think is quite important to have uh, different player styles and uh, you know people who are interested in slightly different things within the uh, 
role playing that we're doing, which is great indeed. I'm pleased the map seemed to be pretty much what you were thinking as well. As I say, when we compared it with uh, Dave's actual map from the game, it wasn't too far off, so that was good. But I can feel a mapping challenge coming on to you, Jason. Next time, you will go. You will be the mapper for us. And let's see how good your mapping skills are. I'm sure they'll be better than mine, mate. So, on to the meat and bones for this episode. And I thought I'd just spend a little bit of time giving a summary of what the differences actually are between the old school essentials, some which has just been released by Necrotic Gnome, and the original TSR BX system, which of course Old School Essentials is based on. So because Old School Essentials comes in two different formats, uh, that is the five books and the single rules tone book, which I believe is just the same information as in the five single books, but in one book. I'm going to compare it directly with the rules tone single book, just for the sake of simplicity. Let's start with the very obvious aesthetic differences between the way that the two systems have been delivered. If I first of all talk about the original TSR Dungeons and Dragons BX system, it was released in two separate box sets, a basic one and an expert. The difference being between the two was the basic one dealt with levels one to three, and the expert dealt with levels four to 14. Each of those box sets contained a rule book, a scenario, some dice and a crayon, and if I remember rightly, a little bit of blurb advertising TSR as well. Of course, I should mention that Old School Essential is available as a box set. and It comes with five separate books, which are the core rules, the genre rules, cleric and magic user spells, monsters and treasures. As the Old School Essentials contains only the rules, I'm only going to compare the rules and not mention anything more about the other stuff that was in the box set. So, if we're comparing the rule books, which way the, the, the biggest difference is the size. The original TSR Dungeons and Dragons BX rule books were letter size, they were softback, and they were punched with three hole punches so that they'd be fitted into a folder. The Old School Essentials comes in a hardback in A5 size. One major difference between the original TSR BX and the Old School Essentials is that the Old School Essentials book deals with levels 1 to 14 as though it was one book. And by that, I mean we 
it's not split like levels 1 to 3 in part of the book and then levels 4 to 14 in another. It is written just as though the entire BX system was just one book dealing with the levels as they were. Where it's very much different in the original TSR rule sets, where you are only dealing in one rule set with levels 1 to 3, and in the expert one, levels 4 to 14. As far as page count goes, each of the original BX rule books are both 64 pages long. The old school essentials one is 296 pages long. If I look at both different sets, I can immediately see a difference on the inside cover because both the old TSR rule books have a table of contents on the inside cover, whereas the old school essentials has some tables very much like you might find on a Dungeon Master's screen. A difference you'll find in the introduction is in old school essentials, there is a, a small piece about old school games, which of course wasn't required in the original because there were no new school games at that time. As I read through the different rule sets, another obvious difference is it was all black and white in the original TSR rule books, whereas within the old school essentials, there's use of a sort of light green background for some paragraphs that are being highlighted, and the same light green is used to highlight ends as well in certain places. Also, the artwork, some of it in the old school essentials, is done in colour. It's all in black and white in the original. Very early on in Old School Essentials, page 13 in fact, you come across the first optional rule which is different to the original BX. And that's that Old School Essentials includes ascending armour class as an optional rule. Now interestingly, it also refers to uh, tier armor class zero, FACO, which I find a bit strange because FACO was not a thing in the original BX rules at all. I think it must have either come from the Mensa or potentially even AD&D, but I, I can't find any reference of it in the original BX books. And I certainly wasn't aware of the term back when I played it, when it first came out. Regarding ability checks, in Old School Essentials, these are not optional, but are given as a uh, part of the book. Whereas in the original TSRBX, there was no mention of them, I believe, in the basic rule book, but they were mentioned as an optional rule in the expert. In Old School Essentials, you'll also get no examples such as how to create a player character or any actual examples of gameplay either. Whereas in the original TSR BX system, 
were, <coughs> anyone who's played before will be familiar with Morgan Ironwolf and how her and her party got on when we went through the Sand Dungeon expedition. The Old School Essentials uses a different terminology for the types of magic. It uses uh, arcane magic to describe magic user magic and divine magic to describe clerical magic. Uh, whilst these are common terms used nowadays, they were not used back in uh, the 1980s when BX was originally released. And you'll find no reference to it in the original TSR rulebooks. It's worth noting that the differences in the actual rules between Old School Essentials and the original TSR are noted in Old School Essentials on page 280 in a chapter called Author's Notes where Gavin goes through and explains some of the changes or optional rules that he's put in um, and explains why he's done them. And I think it's a, that is a very, very useful chapter to refer to. Up until the previous segments about the author's notes, all the differences that I'd mentioned were just the ones which were obvious to me and I'd spotted myself. So the next segments are going to just list the differences which Gavin actually lists in the Old School Essentials author notes. Gavin splits up how he runs through the different changes from the original BX rule set into the five core books that he has. The core rules, the genre rules, spells, monsters and treasures. So I'll deal with those in turn. Core rules, ambiguities and omissions. Old School Essentials resolves some inconsistencies in the encumbrance system and also deals specifically with how retainers receive their XP by clarifying the rules in that area. For traps, Old School Essentials uses what I think most of us home ruled anyway, is separating traps out into two types because it was always a bit confusing that Dwarves seem better able to detect traps than thieves. So what generally was done and what Old School Essentials does is to say that there are rune traps and treasure traps. Rune traps can be detected by any character class. Treasure traps can only be detected by thieves. There's also a clarification on the movement in combat saying that uh, running in combat is not allowed and also clarification in the morale rules about what triggers a morale check and also old school essentials um, sorts out some errors that appear to be in the treasure type average values call rules expansions of scope the term adventures is not used in old school essentials as it was in the BX where it effectively was used for a to demarcate session. That terminology adventure is no longer used in that and isn't continued here. 
Old School Essentials uh, uses hirelings to refer to specialists that uh, are hired out and but not for venture. Effectively, it, it's going back to the specialists and mercenaries, which are explained in the uh, original BX set and using a, a, a single term for it. Subduing as well in Old School Essentials is expanded out to be available for all monsters. In the original BX, it was just referring to dragons specifically. And also in Old School Essentials, the section vehicles um, has been expanded out to not only include water vessels, but all types of uh, vehicles. Now we move on to a rare bit of confusion in the Old School Essentials, where uh, it refers to the book on genre rules as classes, equipment and domains, which is sort of fine because that is in there, but domains is not used as really a heading as such. It's actually strongholds is the section which domains is under, so I'm not quite sure what, why it's been done like that. But anyway, um, within that we've got, to start with, ambiguities and omissions. The dwarf and halfling saving throws were notoriously conflicting in the original basic and expert, and Old School Essentials uses only the expert ones. The halfling language has also been included uh, as being spoken by player characters. That was an infamous omission in the original BX rules. And also Old School Essentials clarifies how the fighter gets the extra attacks at high levels. And also makes a ruling that magical research is available to clerics, magic user and elves at any level. It's not clear in the original set whether that is so. The weights of some weapons have been um, added that were missing in the original rule set and also the we weapon combat uh, stats have been included. The range of the javelin uh, again was a specific one that was missing in the original rule set. The slow weapons losing initiative is chosen not to be the optional rule that it is an expert but um, the actual rule it is in basic and water vessels there's clarification there on some contradictory information from the original expert rule set. Um, the unseaworthy vessels, uh, there was no mention of draft uh, for canoes and rafts, that's been included in uh, Old School Essentials, uh, and uh, a clarification on uh, the type of horses that mounted mercenaries ride as well. Also specialists, uh, the wages of assistant armourers uh, are included which were missing in the original rule set and the um, in strongholds and domains the costs for towers were ambiguous in the original rule set and have been clarified in old school essentials. The genre rules, the expansions of scope issues are Land vehicle, armour class and hull point ratings are listed for carts and weapons which were uh, omitted from the original expert rules and with the turning of undead the turning table in the old school essentials has been expanded to cover all undead. From the spells book the only ambiguity and omission that's been corrected is an inclusion of the description for the detect 
invisible spell which was uh, notoriously missed out from the original basic rule book. From the monsters book, the ambiguities and omissions are for the bull shark. The ram and stun prey ability has now has mechanics included for it. The dervish suggested equipment has been included and the giant bass has been included as a monster previously only being uh, mentioned within the Nixie monster description. The okra jelly has had the ambiguity on several points in the basic rules clarified. The sea dragon sleeping percentage has been extrapolated from dragons of like hit dice and the sea snake has now got included in its description the effects of the poison. Also the special ability asterisks in the original rules were a small number of monsters with offensive special abilities but without an asterisk after their hit die rating as these monsters gained an asterisk in a later edition of the game I'm assuming the uh, Mensa this appears to have been an error in the original basic expert rules. So Old School Centrals has effectively corrected these. And that's for Giant Centipede, uh, Gin, Dragon Turtles, Sea Dragons, Giant Rockfish and Yellow Mould. And finally from the Treasures book, The Ambiguities and Missions. The magic item, Gauntlets of Ogre Power. Uh, as clarification on the original description, which was ambiguous. Uh, and it's made clear that the bonuses only apply to melee attacks and the unarmed attack damage also, also contradicts what is listed in the expert rules. So there's clarification on that. With the potion of growth, the original rules did not state how much the character's strength in increased by and there was no explicit uh, mention that the damage only applied to melee attacks so that's now clarified. With the Staff of Wizardry the exact nature of this uh, staff's whirlwind power is not clear in the original rules and a duration of three rounds has now been specified in old school essentials. With the Sword plus one light the original rules were unclear as to whether this produced light or cast the light spell. And Old School Essentials has gone with the uh, former. And finally, with the Warhammer plus three Dwarven Thrower, the range of this weapon was not specified in the original rules and has been now specified in Old School Essentials. And the final difference I'm going to mention between the rule sets is the index. In the uh, original BX, the index was on the back page and was a simple A to Z index, which, to be honest. Uh, it's certainly an improvement in the old school essentials because you have the indexes split up. You have an index of tables, an index of spells, an index of monsters an index of magic items so but there is no overall index in there i 
hope that gives a fairly comprehensive summary of the difference between old school essentials and the original BX rule set. As I'm sure you gathered, a lot of it is rather small changes, which are just clarifications or even just uh, including omissions from the original rule set that probably most of us have actually made anyway in our home rulings and notes. So which shall I prefer? Well, obviously, it has to be old school essentials. It is an improvement on the original rule set in many ways. I like the fact that we've now got a lot of the little niggles, the admissions sorted out. The one area I'm in two minds about is the format, the hardback book. In one way, I really like it because it's going to be much more durable than the original rule books, which I do still have, but are <laughs> very, very tatty, have been sellotaped up and have ring reinforcements on and what have you. The one area I'd say that I don't like the hardback format is in the original rule set, of course, it was easy just to include your notes and slip them in wherever you wanted to, um, because it was in a ring binder, so you just slip a note in on the page, which would change something. That's more difficult to do on the uh, hardback, and let's be brutally honest, this is not a rule set that you're not going to make rulings on that you're probably going to want to make a note of. So, in some ways, it's going to be difficult to cross-reference those to the old-school essentials, but uh, I'm sure I'm sure I'll find a way. But no, for me, I definitely take the old-school essentials now, and that will be the rule set that I will bring to my table. You've been listening to Shandy Andy's Unguarded Treasure. If you'd like to contact me, please drop me a message on Anchor. Email me at shandyandy at gmail.com or possibly find me hanging around at Audio Dungeon Discord channel.